Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Lust on the Wing, a paranormal erotic anthology written by Devian Sevi, Jackie Greaves, Ina Morata, and Esimo Tipi. Erotic Horror with a Flutter of Romance Let your imagination take flight with this quartet of lusty novellas. In the second volume of the Lust series, our authors bring you atmospheric tales of winged creatures that will lift you from this world. Shapeshifters, monsters, and creatures from legend deliver erotic horror with a flutter of romance. If it weren't for bad luck with men, she'd have no luck at all. In Devian Sevi's Captive Mate, reality will never be the same for graduate student Barry Randall. She's just learned that shifters are real, and they want her for their mate. Can she escape her captors, or will she find freedom in the arms of the winged griffins? In Jackie Greaves' Blood of Stone, Fredegund has guarded her petrified charges for a century. With the rising of the twin moons, the grotesques are awakening, hungry for more than food. Meanwhile, the human hordes have created the charm, a seductress destined to destroy the balance of power between grotesques and humans. Can Fredegun prevent the coming disaster, or will her world be changed forever? Lila seeks a man who can satisfy her darkest desires. Porphyro and the virginal Madeline are preparing to elope. In Ina Morada's Flights of Fantasy, Lila sets her sights on entrapping Porphyro and sets sexy enticements to dispose of Madeline. When her plans go awry, Lila must use her Lilitu wiles to seduce them both. In Esimo Tipi's Leonora, Marked by Demons, we meet a feisty young woman with a secret. The Shakan are the shepherds and humanity is their flock. For millennia they have bred mark-bearers like Leo to withstand the most extreme forms of pleasure and pain. But nothing ever stays the same, and this is a time of great change. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Lust on the Wing. Chapter 1. Barry I woke up when a hand pressed over my mouth. It muffled my shriek at the sharp sting in my shoulder. It's okay, a voice whispered, breath warm against my ear. My arms and legs grew heavy, as though I were sinking into thick water. I struggled to scream, to think. Numb tingling spread through my body, like the worst Novocaine hangover ever. Everything went dark. When I woke up again, my mouth tasted like a used gym sock. Ugh, I managed to grunt, unsticking dry lips. Gah. What had happened? It felt like I had taken NyQuil. Reality flopped around just out of reach. It's okay. You're okay. A familiar voice said. What? I rolled my head left and flinched when I realized I wasn't laying on my pillow. My pillowcase had little pink flowers on a cream background, not blue and white stripes. A sense of panic started to rise. What was going on? Where was I? I flailed around on the bed, waking a dull soreness in my shoulder. That raised a memory of waking with a hand over my mouth, a stinging in my arm. 
Want some water? Oh, crap. I knew that voice. I turned my head the other direction and confirmed it. Fisher held a straw against my lips. The thirst was so bad, I didn't even stop to be suspicious. Just sucked it greedily, the cool wetness soaking into dry tissues. When the straw slurped air, he pulled it away. I coughed and croaked. You kidnapped me! It sounded whiny when I had been going for outraged. I gave it another try. You drugged me and took me from my home! That sounded even worse than it had in my head. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? I looked around. Bland room. White walls, white ceiling, bed without a headboard, with what looked like hospital rails. Gunmetal gray nightstand, with a white plastic desk lamp, cup, and pitcher. That was it. Except for the two men. Fisher, bending over me with a concerned look, and a tall silent man, leaning against the wall next to the door, Leo. I should have been more surprised, would have been, if I'd ever had any luck with men. What was the saying? If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. As my eyes focused on Leo, he straightened up and nodded at me, watchful and serious. What's going on? I tried to stay strong, but a terrible sense of unreality gripped me, and I heard the wobble in my voice. Don't cry! Fisher sounded frantic now. He must be a great actor. It's okay, we're not gonna hurt you. You're safe. Why am I here? Where are we? I tried sitting up in bed and realized my hands were bound over my head. What the heck? I tugged at them and the binding didn't give. Let me go! Hold still, Fisher said. He pulled out a knife and I shrank away. But instead of holding it to my skin, he cut through the knot at my wrists. You pulled so hard I can't get it unknotted. We tied you up to keep you from rolling off the bed while you were asleep. Asleep? You mean drugged? I scoffed. A little voice in my head yelled at me to shut up. Quit antagonizing the nice kidnappers. Yeah, sorry, Fisher said. You probably wouldn't have come with us if we asked, and we were under orders to get you here. Leo shifted position by the door and cleared his throat. Fisher glanced at him, then shut up. I realized something important in that moment. Even though Leo didn't talk much, he was the one in charge. My brain slowly swam toward the surface of a muddy pool, trying to shrug off the effects of whatever they shot me with. I sat up and brought my arms down. The stiffness in my shoulder muscles said I'd been laying in the same position for a while. How long have I been out? Leo said, about eight hours. When you feel able... Our boss would like to meet you. There's more of you? Obviously there had to be if they were under orders. But the word boss implied some sort of hierarchy, an organization. Were they white slavers or something, operating out of Portland? Was I on a ship, on my way to a far-off land? The crazy string of thoughts short-circuited at that point. Why would someone take me? I'm not anyone's ideal of beauty. Too many curves, too short, boring brown hair, and boring brown eyes. Plus, one look at my chin, and you know I'm stubborn. Like a mule, according to my dad. Still, eight hours? I had no recollection of that time passing. 
We could be anywhere in the U.S. Or worse, out of the country. Especially if they had gotten me onto a plane. Fisher must have seen the horror on my face. It's okay, Strawberry, he promised. The cutesy nickname that had made me melt just... Yesterday? Made me spitting mad now. Like I would believe anything he said. I swung my legs over the side of the bed and waited for the room to stop spinning, then stood, keeping a hand on the bed for balance. More water, please, I said. Fisher handed me a refilled cup, and I concentrated on not falling down while I drank. By the time I emptied it again, the last hazy mental clouds had lifted away, at which point certain bodily urges overrode everything else. I need to pee. Bathroom, Fisher said gesturing to the door Leo wasn't leaning against. I tottered into the tiny bathroom and closed the door, noting with regret the absence of a lock. A quick inventory revealed toilet paper, a hand towel, an old cracked bar of soap, and nothing else that wasn't bolted down or fastened to the walls. At least I was still in my fuzzy pink footy pajamas. I didn't know what had happened while I was unconscious. A horrible thought occurred, and I shuddered it away. Surely I'd know if they had done something to me, right? Nothing felt different down there. No soreness or chafing. My reflection in the mirror looked shocked. Glassy eyes, skin paler than usual. I couldn't bring myself to believe something so awful of Leo and Fisher. Whatever had made them break into my apartment, drug me, bring me to some mysterious location, I couldn't believe they'd actually hurt me. Only two days ago... They'd saved my life. They'd been kind, concerned, caring even. I could stay in here and torment myself, or go find out the truth. Shoulders back, head up, I marched into the room. Take me to your leader, I directed the words at Leo. Fisher snorted a laugh. I ignored him and glared at Leo. He turned without speaking to open the door. I followed him into the hallway. Fisher so close behind he shared his body heat. The hallway could have been anywhere. Beige institutional walls, flat tan carpet, an antiseptic smell in the air. Doors, all closed, lined the corridor. We went to the end of the hall and stopped in front of a metal door with a keypad under the knob. Leo keyed in a code. The lock clicked. I couldn't see what numbers he had pushed, but it didn't matter. With no windows in the hall, I had no idea where we were, or how to get out. No handy exit sign pointed to freedom. I resigned myself to waiting, to gather more information. Sooner or later, I would get free. I preceded the men into a classic TV cop show interrogation room, complete with a beat-up table and four dented metal chairs set in the center of a concrete floor with a menacing drain in the middle. I took a seat and propped my fuzzy pink and blue footy slippers on top of the table, as though I hadn't a care in the world. As ridiculous as I felt in the pajamas, it could have been worse. Usually I wore an oversized t-shirt and underwear to bed. I guess I could thank these two for that bit of mercy. Last night I had gone to dinner with both of them. I didn't believe they were interested in me, just figured they didn't have anything better to do. And after all... They had saved my life after a mugger pushed me in front of a train. I could hear my mother's voice urging me to 
be gracious to someone who saved your life. She might have blinked about the double trouble date, but they were only in town for a couple of days to attend a conference. I admit, their total hotness had a tiny bit to do with saying yes. Leo had the kind of height where you got a crick in your neck to look up at him. His narrow chin, deep-set eyes, and high, broad forehead reminded me of a cat. Even the way he moved was cat-like. He oozed quiet self-confidence, a toughness that said he could take care of himself in any situation. The tough ombre attitude drew me like a magnet. Fisher wasn't nearly as tall, though he still topped me by several inches. He was rugged, broad shoulders, deep chest, stubbly chin, big gray-blue eyes, and a single dimple that made me feel gooey inside. They claimed they were attracted to me, and by the end of the evening, I believed them. We'd ended up at my apartment, where I gave in to hormones. We made out. Nothing too crazy. Fisher kissed me while Leo used the bathroom, and then Leo came back and demanded his own kiss. I had no idea how to handle being attracted to both of them, so I acted like an idiot. They left my place with the classic, we'll call you line. Horny, depressed, convinced I'd never hear from either one again, I had drowned my sorrows by cranking up the air conditioning, putting on comfort pajamas, and curling up under the covers with a half pint of peanut butter fudge ice cream to watch my favorite episodes of Grimm. What do you know? Yes, they had planned to see me again. All these years of men leaving me cold, and I'd gone weak in the knees for a couple of kidnappers involved in human trafficking. Leo and Fisher took up positions against the wall behind me, arms crossed over muscle-bound chests, wearing the same uniform of black t-shirts and tan pants they'd had on every time I'd seen them. I found I didn't appreciate their muscles as much, now that I was trying to figure out ways to get away from them. They'll be here soon, Leo offered. Great, now it had moved from a boss to a they. Before I could ask any questions, the door opened. Two people trooped in, one an older man with a military-style haircut. He looked maybe fifty, a well-preserved fifty, fit, broad-chest, and shoulders filling out a black suit with white shirt and magenta tie. The short hair was salt and pepper. He had a neatly trimmed goatee. I've always found goatees menacing, the quintessential symbol of a villain. The other person was a teenage boy, maybe sixteen, a few inches shorter than the older man, wearing sweatpants and a loose gray t-shirt. He had the wingspan of a swimmer, though he hadn't grown into the body yet. His arms stuck out of the t-shirt, all elbows and angles. His face seemed oddly familiar, but I dismissed the thought, focusing on the older man. You're the boss? Look, there must be some mistake. I started. He held up a hand and I shut up. I'd seen enough mobster movies to know when the bad guy wants to speak, you don't interrupt. I'm sorry to meet you again under these circumstances, Beryllium Randall. He had a pleasant baritone and an aristocratic British accent. Not what I'd been expecting. Nobody calls me Beryllium. It's a horrible name. I'd been saddled with it thanks to my geologist parents who decided to name all their kids after minerals. They ran out of good names on the periodic table by the time they got to me. 
I forced myself not to invite him to call me Barry. Let him call me whatever he wanted, if he'd let me go. What do you want with me? Why am I here? He started to speak, but something he had said clicked. Despite myself, I interrupted. Wait, you said it was nice to meet me again. We've met before? Yes, he said. You were quite young. You probably don't remember. Our meeting lasted no more than two minutes. And we weren't formally introduced. Uh-huh, I said staring at him so hard my eyes burned. I squinted and tried to imagine where I would have met him. When I was a kid, we lived in the back of beyond. My parents did work for mining companies, oil companies, always in remote areas. Strangers were few and far between, and the closest neighbor usually miles away. You were twelve, he prompted. I and another man came to your house. Twelve? When I was twelve, there'd only been one thing that brought strangers to our house. I considered him again, picturing a white lab coat instead of a suit, and glasses. You were one of the men that took Chris away. Yes, he said again. Chris? His chin dipped toward the youth next to him. The boy stepped forward, eyes steady on mine. Hi, Dingleberry, he said. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Lust on the Wing. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.